Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 24 called Naomi. So I'm not going to lie. Today's story is very sad and it's pretty tough and it's really raw. And Naomi is amazing for sharing all of it with us. And the reason that I wanted to share her story is because I've never, ever heard anybody talk about what she's going to talk about today. Mainly, she talks about the stillbirth of her son named Bear. But when I first reached out to Naomi, who I found on Instagram, I said, if you'd be willing to talk about your story, I think it's really important. And she absolutely agreed because she said when she was going through all of it, she could not find anybody. She searched high and wide all over the internet to connect with somebody who was going through what she was going through. And she just couldn't. So she wanted to do this today to help any of you out there listening who might need to hear this story. Like I said, it is tough and she's really brave for getting into all of it. And I think it's really important. So I want to thank Naomi for doing it again. And without further ado, this is Naomi's story. Hi, Naomi. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So you are in England. So yeah, I've always, always been in England. Grew up in Kent, which is still where I am now, just not far from where um, I grew up with my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm 24. My son is, my eldest son is five. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had him when I was uh, just 10, 19. Okay. And so never really like planned to have kids in it. That was kind of something I was thinking of in the future not really something that I'd planned at the time. Um, but yeah, I had him at 19. So um, yeah, he's great. He's really, really great. What was it like having a kid at 19 years old? It was tough. Very, very tough. Um, I still with, lived with my mom at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we moved in um, with his parents not long after Tristan was born. Mm-hmm. With um, your partner's think, parents, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, moved probably about three or four times since. Mm -hmm. So we've moved around a lot, um, mainly through rental, uh, being expensive and unreliable. So, yeah, we've had to move a lot. So taking a child from newborn all the way up to to five now, moving several times, Mm -hmm. um, it's quite difficult. Um, But it's it's nice. We're, We're settled now. So that's really lovely. And what's he like as a little kid? lively he never stops <laughs> he's always on the go like never ever stops um he always wants to be playing something uh-huh. he's not one of those kids that will sit down and watch tv for a period of time or anything like that uh we're up he likes to get up about six probably 6 a.m and he'll be on the go all day he won't stop for a rest has so much energy uh-huh he's so adorable i was looking at your instagram again this morning he's so cute he just has such a personality and we try and put the radio on in the kitchen and he'll come over, he'll turn the music up and he'll dance around the kitchen. We're like, come on, mom, you've got to come dance with me. So we have a little <laughs> dance dinner. It's great. He, we have so much fun. And, yeah. Um, 
I just hope that carries on with him for forever because he's so sassy. Yeah. Um, and he's he's going to have such a good life ahead of him if he carries on like that. Oh, I love it. So tell me about your second pregnancy. What When was that? And did you have any trouble getting pregnant a second time? So the second time um, I got pregnant, we'd planned it and we had said, you know, do everything right. Take all the, all the vitamins that you need to take. Um, make sure that I'm doing everything properly. Um, and I was lucky enough to fall pregnant straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the same month that we'd started trying, which was, okay. which was great. How old was Tristan um, at that time? So Tristan would have been four okay. at that point. Um, and, but my morning sickness was horrendous. I had the worst sickness through my pregnancy and I just felt awful all the time. Um, and I struggled a lot, um, pretty much every day, Mm. um, had one point where I was so sick that I did have to be admitted to hospital for a bit um, just to get some, um, yeah, I just get some anti-sickness really, mm-hmm. which, which did help. Had you. it been like that with your first pregnancy as well, or was this different? So the first one was quite bad, but this just felt like it was like a whole nother level. Mm. Like it was just so much worse. I don't know if that's just because <laughs> the first had been a while ago and I hadn't really remembered how bad it had been or whether this one was actually a lot worse. And I mm-hmm. felt like my body just was not coping the same way that it had done the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also getting up with a four-year-old as well every day, right. uh, first thing in the morning, right. it would be fine. If I could sleep in till about seven, I was a little bit better. But if I Wait, sleep in till five, seven? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the sleep in, definitely. That's the reality um, yeah. of parenting. Sleeping oh, in yeah. at 7 a.m. <laughs> and just when I was getting up that early, I just knew that it was like I can't function until, until I'm sick. Like I just can't function. My body is just like feels like it's eating me from the inside it was oh, awful God. the worst um, probably about 12 weeks onwards mm-hmm. um and then as well I work in a supermarket so I was around food all mm-hmm. the time and just the smells were just awful. oh my God I can't even imagine to a point where I had to go out the back and I just and I'm one of these people I'm like I, I you know I feel like I'm quite strong at work and you know I just get on with it just get get on with what I've got to do and it just got I just broke down I just absolutely could not cope with it anymore um what did they do to make you feel better was there any sort of like medicine you could take or did you figure Um, anything out on your side like no I couldn't I couldn't get anything to make me feel any better like absolutely nothing would work um I tried all of the you know the ginger or the old wives tales about things like that and right absolutely nothing seemed to make a difference um, so I just kind of got to that point. I was like, just going to have to struggle through it. It will pass. It will pass. And it just, it wasn't seeming to pass at all. Oh God, it, that's the worst. Worse yeah. Never, never wanted to pass. So, um, yeah, I just, it's definitely one of those things that, um, I won't forget how bad that was. Okay. And, awful. and now I feel like I'm really sympathized with people that, um, that tell me they're like, oh, I feel really sad. I know. I know how you feel. Right. Yeah, exactly. Going to bed and sleeping because I don't know what to suggest to help you, but I I can just sympathize with you. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is someone to be like, I hear you. I get it. So was everything okay health-wise though with the baby? Like you'd you'd been going in for scans, heard the heartbeat and all of that. Tell me about those 
types of experience? Yeah, so everything was fine to start with. So we got up to the 12 week uh, scan and that was absolutely fine. Um, and being low risk from my first pregnancy, just carried on as normal, just going to the, the usual midwife appointments. Uh, nothing had been picked up then. Um, and then we got to our 20 week scan, which we went along to. And that's when they told us the genders. They told us he was going to be a boy. Mm-hmm. And at the time they were doing the scan, we went there for quite a while and they were just like, oh, he's, you know, in a really funny position. He's really, really low down and we can't see his head properly um, and we can't see his heart properly. So they sort of did that thing where you go off for a walk and shift you around a bit, come back in an hour, went back. No, he's still not moved. So we're just going to, you know, reschedule you um, for two weeks time um, just to come back and have a rescan, just to double check. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get nervous at that point? Yeah, a bit, but you, you don't really think anything too much of it. Um, and I remember the weirdest thing is that I remember going back to work and everyone was like, Oh, how was it? You know, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And I I remember being there and I can remember exactly where I was stood as well. Um, just saying to one of my colleagues, I was like, Oh, he's a boy. Um, but we've still got to go back and check. And she was like, oh, everything's fine. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, let's just let's just get past that next scan. Mm-hmm. And now that I look back, I think, oh, my God, there's so many things like that that happened. Mm-hmm. So we had our, yeah, we had the scan booked in for the, for the rescan. And it was on a Tuesday. And I remember on the Monday, I went shopping and we hadn't bought anything. We'd planned on using a lot of Tristan's, you know, the old things that we'd kept. Right. Just, we, you know, we were going to use a lot of that again, but I was, I was in the supermarket and I was having a look around and I saw this really, really cute boys, newborn baby grow. And I picked it up on the shelf and I sort of was wandering around, probably spent another 10, 15 minutes just looking. And I was about to walk up to the checkout and there was just something telling me not to buy it. Mm. And I, I don't know what it was, but it was like, no, 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 you need, you need to wait until you, you know, you're shopping together with, you know, friends or family or whatever, just so that you can get someone else's opinion, you know, just don't get it now. And, the, and I put it back on the shelf. Mm. And then the next day was when we went in for the, the rescan and we went in and they were scanning for quite a long time. And then they were like, right, it's fine. You know, the head, the head's all fine. Uh, we just still can't quite see the heart properly. Um, and they were really fun. They were really lively. The people doing the scan, it was so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, she was like, I'm just going to go and get a second opinion on this. And that's the moment that your heart starts to sink a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to, in your head, you're trying to tell yourself that everything's fine. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong. And this other woman comes in. And you can just see this look on her face that's not very enthusiastic at all in comparison to what the other two ladies have been like. Mm-hmm. This woman was just really like, you know, you, we, we need to send you for a, a detailed scan because we can't see everything properly. And they weren't telling us very much. Um, and because they weren't saying very much, it didn't worry me too much, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you know, if... You'd think if there was something really wrong, they'd be like, oh, no, something's not right. Um, but she didn't say anything much at all. She was like, we're just just going to go and get one of my colleagues to come and have a chat with you. Mm-hmm. So we sort of 
were taken to this waiting room, which was away from all of the other people waiting. Um, and it was only a small box room. And it had like two, three chairs and a table, some tissues. And then there was this photo, there was like a plaque on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it was SANS. So this is the charity that I'm, I have decided to fundraise for. Right. Um, and it said SANS, stillbirth and neonatal death charities. So the furniture in this room has been provided by SANS. Oh, God. And we, me and my partner at the time, looked at each other and we were like, that's not good. Why have we been put in a room with that on the wall? Yeah. It feels really serious now. Um, and so someone comes into the room and she says, right, um, what we've got to do is we've got to send you to London um, today. And you've got to go for to the main hospital, the main children's hospital, for a, a detailed heart scan. Um, and then she just said, I've got to go off and book this for you now. So, mm. you know, how long does it take you to get there? Um, how quickly can you get there? Um, how far were you from London? So on the train, about, about, about an hour and a half, but in total from getting from where we live to the station, waiting for the train, mm-hmm. probably about two hours to two mm-hmm. and a half hours. So um, she went off and, and made this phone call um, and came back with an appointment for the same day for about three and a half hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when they're rushing you through that quick, you know something's really wrong. Yeah. Because you never, you know, even when you go in generally for scans, they're like, oh, it's fine, you know two weeks three weeks four weeks whatever there's there's never there never feels that rush even though you want it quickly there's not there's not that time frame on it right the sense of urgency yeah and the fact that we had to be there with you know the same day even was enough to make you think oh my god something's really not right I feel like I would have lost it at that point I would have been so terrified do you know the way we, we held it together we were fu- like we were like oh it's fine like in in our head everything was still fine mm-hmm. because no one had told us at that point that anything was seriously wrong okay we were like oh it's probably just a precaution um you know and, and you get that in your head and you never mm-hmm. think that you're going to be told anything is seriously wrong at all right so um i remember at this point because we were both meant to be going back to work after the scans um, not expecting to have been told to be going off to London. Mm-hmm. So we we went our separate ways for about an hour so that he could go and tell his work that he wasn't coming back and and I could do the same. And I remember phoning my sister and I just said to her, I just absolutely broke down in the car. And I was like, I've, I've got to go, something's really wrong. Like I've, I've got to go to London. And she was like, just calm down, you know, until you know what it is, you need to stay calm. And I was like, I can't, I can't stay calm. I, I don't know what to do. That was the point I lost. It was not when I was with him, mm. but when I was telling my sister, because, you know, she's the person that I go to for everything. And mm-hmm. um, emotionally, like just actually saying it out loud yeah. to somebody who wasn't involved in the situation suddenly made it really real. Yeah. Um, um, my work were fantastic. You know, I phoned them as well. I said, you know, I, I can't come back today. I've, I've got to go and, and have this scan done. And they were great. They were like, you know, just take the time that you need. Obviously they'd seen the struggle that I'd been through over the past few weeks before that anyway. Right. Um, so they were like, it's, you know, it's fine. Don't worry. No rush. Um, so I felt on the, on the work side of things, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about that at all. 
um anyway we met we met up back at home and we went to the station got on the train and it was weird we just when we were together we were just acting like nothing was happening mm-hmm. nothing was wrong um you know getting a drink from the calf and sitting on the train and we got there and you know we were told um we were just given these basic instructions really so when we were back at the the first hospital we'd been told right you need to go to this hospital and you need to go to the cardiology unit the fetal cardiology unit and so we we get to the hospital in london and we're wandering around you know we get to the children's bit but there's there's not really much any signage towards it mm-hmm. like don't really know where we're going and we get to this door that's like it's just just looks like it's not meant to be a unit at all mm-hmm. um and it's just got a buzzer on the side you think are we are we in the right place that doesn't really seem like it anyway so we press this buzzer and go in and there's no one there there's just one member of staff mm-hmm. on the reception desk but it's quiet it's empty there's like no one else around so eerie yeah and you've we've just come out of this corridor which is heaving with people um to suddenly be in a room where there's no one there you think this doesn't feel right like nothing feels right about this at all um so anyway one of the specialists comes out and she started to explain what was going to happen so she said um we're going to take you through into this room it is dark in there um we're going to be in there for maybe about an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak to you because I have to concentrate on what I'm doing. So don't feel like I'm ignoring you or being rude or anything like that. But I just really have to concentrate because there's a lot to look at and it's, you know, really detailed. So, um, you know, don't, don't think I'm being rude or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was, they were very, very nice people. Um, so we go into this room and, and we're sat there in silence for, for nearly an hour having this scan. Oh and gosh. you don't know what you're looking at. Right. There's absolutely no way that we can, you know, we don't know anything because it's not like a normal scan where you see the whole baby. It's, it's just heart. Mm-hmm. So we have absolutely no idea what's going on. Right. And you're all. probably looking at whoever's doing the scan, trying to read their face. Like, yeah. is it good? And is it bad? What's going on? That must've been torturous. Nothing. Yeah, it was. So there was absolutely nothing from from her at all. And then, um, yeah, after maybe about 40 minutes, she goes off and gets someone else who also comes and has a look. And at this point, you're like, oh, you know, I just want to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it still hadn't really sunk in. So I'm trying to stay positive still in my mind, thinking, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it at all. Right. Um, Anyway, so she finishes and they take us to another room. So another little room with a couple of sofas um, and the same thing, a table and a box of tissues. Um, And we're sat in there by ourselves, maybe for five, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And these two ladies come in, introduce who they are. And they basically said, we have found something um that is quite serious um but because it's so complicated the only way that she could tell us what was going on was by doing us this diagram Mm -hmm. um and she said to us she was like your your son has got tetralogy of fallot 
and what is it called it's called tetralogy of fellow okay which is basically you know i mean <laughs> i don't know the ins and outs of it still now i still don't understand it fully myself but it's several things with the heart that are wrong including like a hole um in the heart and the uh all the ventricles of the heart not being wide enough for the blood flow um uh and then also there was the um one of the, the arch was going right instead of left mm-hmm. so we were like okay right all of these things she's she's describing she's drawn us this diagram um the best she can um and she starts to label it so this is at the beginning before we know you know the full extent of it and so she starts to draw the heart and then she draws one thing and she writes the number one next to it okay so that's something that that's wrong okay and in my head i'm thinking okay this you know we can deal with this mm-hmm. saying that you know they might be able to help with this you know right. they can do surgery or something yeah. right yeah like it will be fine and then she draws something else and puts a number two next to it. Mm. I was like, okay, two things, maybe not so great, but we can deal with this. And then she does something else and puts the number three next to it. I was like, okay, now my mind is completely blown. I don't understand any of this. Like I've completely lost track of where we're at. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's going in and what I'm understanding. And right. I, yeah, it just, the way, I guess when you're not, when you don't know the scientific details so much, um, just nothing makes sense, especially right. when you're having a sudden crash course on it. Um, but not only that, but it's it's your child. Yeah, and you're probably in shock. It's like you can't yeah. comprehend something like that. No, exactly. And it was just going round and round and round. Um, and she tried to explain it two or three times. I was like, okay. So then she explained that um, there's there is chance of survival with this. Um, but there's a lot of surgery that's required. So we don't know the extent of, of the, how, how bad it is really. Um, we, we know it's a serious issue, but until we can, you know, we would have to take you in for, for full scans, um, and like, really research it with surgeons and whatever before we could work out when this surgery would need to happen mm-hmm. um, and then she went on to say about um the the arch in the heart being to the right instead of the left which could also be a sign of chromosome issues as well mm-hmm. um and that was the point that my partner at the time just broke down he just absolutely that was he was just in floods of tears and I was just sat there like trying to process this like it's going to be fine that shock moment had hit and Mm -hmm. I just I couldn't cry I couldn't say anything I just didn't know quite what what to think at all at this point Mm -hmm. um they they gave us as much detail as they could in terms of you know surgery and she started out with saying that um the the first thing would be to do this you know you know if if you want to investigate further um we would find out from scans as much as possible um so that we can tell you where you need to be to give birth where you know 
what, when the surgery is going to happen. Um, in serious cases, the surgery has to be as soon as they're born, um, which would mean, um, you know, I, I think she said it was, you know, about a 95% success rate of this first surgery, which obviously filled me with, you know, that's amazing. Like, yeah, that sounds good. Very delicate. Um, and then she started going on about the future. And that was the bit that started to get to me quite a lot. Um, because there was the potential chromosome problem as well, mm-hmm. um, there would be no chance of what they consider to be like a normal adult life if mm-hmm. that was the issue, if that was the case. If there was a chromosome um, problem, then there would be no chance for a normal adult life at all. Um, mm-hmm because our son wouldn't be able to take medication for the heart condition um, and live by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately they offered us um, the test to, to find to find out if there were any further chromosome issues. So, you know, we accepted that and, you know, yeah, we'll go ahead with that. We'll put that one in straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, you know, the conversation around... Um, what the life is going to be like yeah. and what the quality of life was going to be like. So the issues with, with the surgery was that um, even though there was a good success rate of survival, um, there was still the chance of, you know, brain damage. Um, and, you know, that obviously is your most severe other than losing the baby during surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it would go on to, you know, they, it wouldn't just be the first surgery dependent on how severe it is there's going to be at least one if not two more mm-hmm. in the first few years of their life and this is full-on open heart surgery right um, and then it would you know as they get older the replacements that they have to put in for the heart for the valves um for the blood flow they they have to be uh increased in size as mm-hmm. they get older so there would also be the surgery for that as well. Right. Um, so there's loads of things going on all at the same time. Um, I don't really know if I'm explaining it very well, to be honest. No, you there's are. So I on. do have a question, though. Were they yeah. wanting you to try to carry him like full term or as long as you could? And then or were they going to try to induce and then do the surgery when he was? No, so they would want you to go as close to full term as you can. Okay. And because all the time that they're inside of you, you're supplying the oxygen for them. Right. So the longer you can go, the better because, um, you know, they, they need them to be, you know, if they have to perform surgery as soon as they're born, they need to be them be as healthy as possible. Right. Um, so yeah, they would have, they, it would have been carried on through yeah. up close. It, it still would have been most likely, um, to be induced. Right. Um, but closer to the 40 week mark as possible but I can only imagine part of your decision making was like knowing that there's this unhealthy baby that you're caring for the rest of you know you're only halfway through at this point or a little over half you know so that's that would have been horrible as well there's no good decision here no and there wasn't but um they also you know at the time of this as well as giving us all of this information about um you know the pregnancy and um just after birth and all the surgeries and all of that she you know they turned around and they said 
um, but also going to give you the the option to terminate yeah. because it it is severe and um, you know I think the one thing that sticks with me a lot is that you know they they said if if it wasn't so severe we wouldn't even offer it to you mm-hmm. so don't feel the the guilt in whatever decision you make because right. you wouldn't have these options if we didn't feel it w- was something if we thought we could fix it for good we wouldn't offer it to you absolutely um and yeah it's it's phrases that they use that you don't you don't really think of at the time that that you're having this conversation mm-hmm. um you know the survival statistics and and all of that you know that's just survival that's not the ones that continue on to leave lead a very healthy life exactly were they um, giving you any sort of recommendation i mean did they say or maybe they're not even really allowed to do that you know they just no. give you the options they can't yeah. say if i were you i would have been like what would you do you know like, exactly yeah what should yeah, i do you just want someone to tell you what to do yeah. <laughs> and half of my questions as well were like okay so you know what about you know how many out of the children that have this how many of them how many of them do pass away how many of them pass away during surgery how many of them go on to lead a healthy life and she's like i can't tell you because right. there isn't there isn't an answer it's yeah. so different for every child and we we don't have an answer to that you know if i could she she did say she said if i could tell you that you know 50 percent led a healthy healthy life um then i would but i can't right and all you want is for someone to tell you that it's gonna be fine Mm -hmm. and they just don't say it they never say it and this statistic for this happening to us in the first place was like three in ten thousand wow which was insane so when you've got like a five in a hundred percent chance of not having a successful surgery when you're a three in in ten thousand right it's so much more like oh my god that could actually happen to me yeah you're like we could be that five percent that it doesn't work out for yeah i totally get that i really do I'm so sorry that you had to make that decision. Yeah, And it's, it's, you know, we spent a long time thinking about our decision. We went away from the hospital that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, we didn't make a decision there um, Mm -hmm. at all. Um, We, we took all the information away with us. We went home um, and thank God we've got amazing family around that looked after our son for a solid two weeks um, while we went through all of this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess after that, this is the point where it starts to be like a bit, like, I don't even know what was happening at this point. Um, we went home and we didn't really do anything much. Like at this point in the evening, we're like, we haven't eaten really today. We haven't done anything. We're like, let's just get some food and you know try and like come to terms with what is actually going on yeah you have to try to process everything right you just got bombarded and also like i was still pregnant yeah feeling horrendous as it was and needing to eat and having heartburn and Mm -hmm. feeling exhausted 
and then also having to add that trip to London in as well right and the travel and yeah I just and you have a four-year-old and you're working and it's yeah yeah so it was just the next few days after that was more of a you know we didn't even really for the first day we didn't really sit around and talk about it very much mm-hmm. um he had to go and sort out work and hand over everything that he needed for work so that was fine you know get that out of the way because we had we had to focus on all of this for you know however long it was going to take mm-hmm. um so he went off and did that and then I, I spent so much time on the internet I can't even explain how much time I spent looking and researching because all I wanted was to find some information and it just did not exist. Really? Like I couldn't find anything anywhere. Um, information was, about his, what, you know, yeah, what was wrong with the heart, heart or what, what were you yeah. looking for specifically? So I started out really just, um, just trying to research about what it was. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of was trying to search more along the lines of um, people who, have been through this experience where they have a child now with this heart condition. So I was kind of looking for, I don't really know what I was looking for, to be honest, but the, the only things that were really coming up were the ones that their babies had survived. Um, there was so minimal of them. Mm-hmm. I could barely find anything, um, which made it really difficult because you're like, they're telling me that these people are out there, but, where are they? They just, yeah, it was so hard to find anyone with the same condition. And I understand that it's really rare, um, mm-hmm. which obviously would make it hard in the first place. But it, you just want some information from mm-hmm. someone who's been through it. And right. to not be able to find that, I spent hours, absolute endless amounts of time, um, going through website after website after website trying to find something mm-hmm. um and I was never successful with it yeah. ever not once did I find anything so I felt like I didn't really have anyone else's experience to help me to make the decision of which way to go right um and then you know we were thinking of our eldest son starting school and so he was starting in this so this was all happening back in the February and he would have been starting in the September mm-hmm. um and our due date was in June mm-hmm. so at this point we're thinking right so if we had the baby in June and if he's able to last up until the three-month recommendation for, for the major surgery if we can hold it out that long, then our son's starting school is going to be at the same time. So right. one of us is going to be having to stay in London for this and the other's going to have, be having to do uh, the, the first bit of school and supporting yeah. him through, yep. through his transition to school um, and then work as well and paying our rent. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, how's that, how's that going to work? Right. Can I ask you too, were you, did did it seem like all of this would be covered by insurance? Like the surgeries? No. No. So, well, it's all, I mean, we're lucky enough that it's all um, NHS here. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't have had to pay for the surgeries at all. Okay. Um, 
so that was one course that thank like oh I'm just so thankful for the fact that we wouldn't have had to have worried about that mm-hmm. so the costs that we would have had to have thought about would have been um the accommodation in London right. um, because uh we, I mean I think there is like a small amount of accommodation to do with the hospital but there's not loads sure um so we would have had to have considered that yeah um, and the traveling um but other than that thankfully the costs that there wasn't too much to be worrying about other than um, not physically being at work. Right. Um, so did they give you in the first place? Did they give you a deadline? Like you need to make a decision by X date or. Yeah. So in terms of making a decision, so the law is that they, the termination process can't be done after the 24 weeks. Okay. So when we spoke to them, the first time, you know, we took, obviously took all of the information back with us. They'd said, um, for the termination to go through, you need to have the two consultants to agree to the termination um, up to the 24-week mark. Mm-hmm. So you need to make a decision before that 24-week mark yeah. for us to go ahead with it. Um, and we had one consultant who was saying because so basically with the amnio to find out if there was a chromosome issue as well um that was going to take two weeks for the results to come through oh so that would have been after the 24 week mark yep so we didn't we couldn't use that as you know either we're gonna find out or we're not or it we just had to solely focus on the heart why does it take two Um, weeks couldn't they like fast track it for you (laughs) I mean, you would have thought so, but they, no, it was like the two weeks was going to be like the quickest they could do it. Oh my God. Um, and one big, so one of the consultants we met with, he was, he said he would have gone, you know, he would have been happy to support, but in, in terms of the heart, uh, the fetal cardiology specialists, because for them, they know that they can perform a surgery um, with a higher chance of survival. They wouldn't support it gone past the 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. So we had to make this decision before that. Right. Um, and we went back to London a few days after the first scan, uh, the, the scan in, the first scan in London, a few, a few days later, we went back just to have a scan of, of the rest of his body to make sure there was definitely nothing else wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, just the heart. Um, so we went back and we met with, with one of the consultants there and they, I mean, they were fantastic really. They took us into this separate room again, another separate mm-hmm. room. But actually at this point, when you're sat in a room full of people who are going for just their, their regular checkups, um, you don't want to be in a room full of people who have got, you know, are talking about their babies and mm-hmm. all this exciting stuff. No, yeah, they're actually. like holding pictures of their ultrasounds yeah. and yeah, yeah, and you're I like, get it. No, get me out of here. So they did. They took us into another room, the room with um, the tissues. Yeah, another when there's room tissues on the table, you yeah. know it's bad. Like I feel like now, like any time that I'm going to be taken somewhere, I'm like, I'm just going to wait for the tissue because mm-hmm. someone's <laughs> expecting me to need them. Yep. Um. So yeah, we we went in and we waited for quite a while. Met with met with this consultant who did the full scan, and he was happy with everything else. Um, 
And at that point I was like, oh my God, like this just makes it even harder. Yeah. This just makes it so much worse because we've just sat here again and sent another scan of our baby on the screen and he's kicking and moving around. And, you know, oh at this point God. he's big enough to feel all the kicks. And, um, yeah, so we sit down with him and a couple of other um, of the doctors there and um, they they go through the options again. Um, and by this point, um, myself and my partner at the time had had this conversation of, you know, what are we going to do? And he's more leaning towards termination. Mm-hmm. And I'm still up in the air about all of it. Yeah. And for him, like, he just could not cope with any of it. Yeah. And when you see someone not being able to cope with it, you just think, how how are we going to cope with that in the future? Like, right. how is that going to work? If he can't can't deal with this now, mm-hmm. this is not going to be okay. Yeah. And when we said to the consultant, you know, we think we might go for the termination, mm-hmm. he was like, okay, well, I can see that you're not agreed on this yet. So mm-hmm. you're going to go away for another, you're going to go away. This was on the Friday. He was like, you're going to go away. We're going to book you in. But if you don't want to come, you don't have to come. So okay. If you choose not to, then that's fine. Um, and basically they were saying, you know, you've, you've got the weekend to make your decision. Right. And that was it. You know, you, you've got two days to choose what you're going to do. God. Um, and no one can tell you what, what to do at all. And right. You could ask for advice from as many people as possible and still no one knows the answer. You, you know, you want someone to have an answer. Like someone needs to look into the future and tell me what's going to happen. Yes. Um, and I love that. Can I just say, Naomi, I'm so glad that you're being so real about weighing your options and all the different things that came into play. The real, like the real life shit that you have to consider your son's schooling, your job how you guys are going to get along as a couple, you know, like these are the real things. It's, you know, I hope that no one will judge anybody for having to make this kind of decision. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I love that you're just being honest about all the stuff, the real life stuff that you really have to consider and the quality of life. So I'm, thank you for like being open about that stuff. And I totally get it. I totally know where you're coming from. And I think, yeah, the quality of the life thing was like this massive issue for me because you know they talked about um the likelihood of your your son's condition meaning he can't run around in a playground with other kids Mm -hmm. and he can't go and you know he he can't just can't join in in all of those everyday things that kids should be able to do right um and you're holding that decision like you are making the decision as to whether your child is going to join in with other kids. It's not one of those things that you don't have a choice and it's just, you know, you just, I guess if it happens, you deal with it, but someone is telling you that you're, you're in charge of making this decision as to, you know, what, what if my son is one of those children that can't go and play with his friends, right? can't go swimming, can't join in with sport, has to sit out on the sports at school, Right. 
you know, it's like, what am I bringing this child? Why am I bringing this child? Like, are you being, would you be selfish to bring him into the world with a life like that? Or, you know, like all you want as a mother is for your kids to be happy and healthy and accepted and part of it, you know? So I, yeah, it's heavy, so heavy. And yeah, you just want to know what, this is why you want someone to look into the future and tell you what's going to happen because right. like no one has the answers of, of how many kids are able to do that. How many right. aren't able to do that? Now I'm fully crying by the way. Oh. <laughs> it's just, I'm so, I feel for you. It was the hardest thing to have to consider was, you know, how am I going to watch my child grow? And also for Tristan, his, this is his baby brother. He's not just, he's not just my son. He's right. Tristan's baby brother. Yeah. And he will be protective over him. How's that going to affect him Right. as he grows up? If he's not able to, you know, play with his own brother or. Absolutely. You know, You're it's affecting Tristan's yeah. quality of life as well. Yeah. All right. I need a damn tissue. <laughs> It's the tissues. Yeah, they have to be there <laughs> I don't all have the time. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, it was just there's so many things to consider and you don't yeah. think that you're going to have to think of all these things. But I always felt selfish thinking about the money side of it as well. Well, um, part of it. You know, we, yeah, like we both had to work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way we can afford to live without both of us working. Right. Um. And so when we were considering the fact that I was having, would have been having to take so much time off work and what would happen with our son if, you know, if we had him and he was healthy, what about when I had to go back to work? Who was going to look after him? Was there going to be someone able to look after him? What about his medication? And Mm -hmm. um, all of that, you know, they were things that we considered. And um, yeah, just so much of it. Um, And when we took this weekend now, I, I didn't really know what we were going to tell, you know, we had to tell family and, and we didn't really tell very many friends. Um, to be honest, we hadn't even announced as such the pregnancy. Really? Um, Why? Yeah, I don't know. And now I start to like, now that I look back, I think maybe this was like, maybe this was the universe telling me that something was going to be wrong. Oh, the mother's intuition would like putting back the baby outfit. You, that happened for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, you know, we told a couple of my friends and one of them, like my absolute best friend was in Australia at the time, like the furthest she could possibly be from me. Um, And I like, you know, I called her and I just basically told her what was happening. And she was like, like, how, how is this even going on? Mm-hmm. Like no one could even find the words to even, you know, express how they were feeling about what was going on, let alone give me any advice or anything. Right. Um, and, you know, for, for our family as well, like this, this, this was their grandson or, um their nephew Mm -hmm. and you know we're quite close especially my family like I'm really really close with my family Mm -hmm. um and I'm a bit stubborn as well I was like I don't want to cry in front of Mm -hmm. my family right like I I don't want to break that that barrier down um 
but at the same time I kind of wanted to have the conversation um and I remember phoning my dad and I said to him I was like okay so you know I need to talk to you about something and it's not great I'm a planner and I kind of had this life plan that I was you know I had Tristan when I was young so this one was going to happen when I was young as well so that you know once they grew up a bit, I could have my career and mm-hmm. travel and all of those things I wanted to do. And I was like, I feel like with my dad, I can have this like selfish outlook on life and not be judged for it. Mm-hmm. And I put across all those really selfish things that I felt I was thinking. Yeah. Like, what about my life? What about the things I wanted to do? Yeah. And the things I didn't do because I had Tristan so young and mm-hmm. am I going to get to do them? And he just was like, I was thinking all of that. I said, dad, is that all you've got to say? (laughs) Give me some more advice. Right. I I haven't got any, but just remember, you know, your, your life is, is there as well. Yeah. You've given up everything for your first child. Yeah. You've, you know, you, you gave up all your friends went off to university. You, You, you've spent time just working hard to provide for him and you have to have a life too. And, Mm -hmm that stuck with me quite a lot and when you feel that you can't give your selfish opinion to very many people um being able to just talk that through with someone is quite it means quite a lot right because you you do forget about about yourself a lot and a lot of people you know did automatically through the Tristan you know think about Tristan think about Tristan think about Tristan but no one had really turned around and said think about you think about you yeah. yeah like and you do need to do that as well and I could talk about a lot of it to to my sister and right. you know and my mum as well um but it's really hard actually especially at that point because you think oh my god um I'm going to be judged for termination like that that was the initial feeling straight away yeah Well, my wish is that anyone who listens to this and you're getting so detailed about it would never, ever, ever judge you for the decision that you made. It's, it's, Mm. it's just not right. No, it's, it's so difficult because actually you don't, you don't go into a pregnancy thinking, I don't want the child. (laughs) Exactly. That's not what you do. Exactly. You, you, you you want this in your future. Of course. You want the best. Of um, course. And you've made this life plan for yourself. Right. Um, and so it can, just, just doesn't go that way. Can you tell me when you guys ultimately did make the final decision? How did you get to that point? Um, so I guess we'd kind of, we'd kind of said it as in like a, we think this is for the best mm-hmm. um when we when we consider everything together uh we think that maybe having the termination is going to be our best option in the future um we kind of were going with it but we never really made i wouldn't say we actually sat there and were like right we're going to have the determination mm-hmm. like we never actually said that mm-hmm we kind of just had the conversation about, right, we think this is what we were going to do. We're going to go back. And we, we, yeah, we'd never, never fully made up our mind. I wouldn't say there was still that part of me that was like, I want to, 
I want to keep going. Like I want to fight for this and I want to keep going as, as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, pray that everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I was like, you're, you're living in dream, dream world right now. Yeah. You're, you're trying to convince yourself that everything is going to be fine. And you've got to remember that not everything is always fine. That's true. Yeah. Um, and you just, you give yourself that, that outlook that you know you only imagine the best case scenario mm-hmm. you imagine what is going to happen if everything's fine the surgery goes well um and they live a healthy life that's what you imagine in your head when you go into these things and right having to remind myself that that's not reality um and there was so one thing that really got to me was was tristan you know, we'd told him that a, f- a couple of weeks before, you know, that when we had the original scan that he was going to have a brother mm-hmm. and this, he was like really quite, he's always really struggled with his emotions mm-hmm. and he's always been fine with showing his emotion around me, but not really around anybody else. Yeah. And there was, everyone was saying I was mad as well. And like, I think I had gone into like, <laughs> I don't know if I was like, oh, I'm going mad. I'm going mad. I don't know what's wrong with me, but it was like all this stress in my head. Yeah. I was like, I need my son to say goodbye. I need uh, Tristan to say goodbye. Uh-huh. Whilst I know my baby is still alive, I need him to know that his brother's not going to be there. Uh-huh. And this was, this is like the, the hardest bit for me. Yeah. Um, Cause we, we, um, we agreed that we were going to tell him even though everyone was like, no, he doesn't need to know. And I was like, no, I, I he might, not need to know but I need him to know mm-hmm. um so and he'd been at his great-grandparents during the day and this was the day before we were going back to London and we went over and you know this is a four-year-old like they don't understand everything but when you know your child like I know that he's very emotionally intelligent mm-hmm and he does get a lot like especially with with me like we really have that bond where like I just feel like he's invincible like with his emotions like I'm just like he gets me and yeah he understands when I'm upset and he understands when I'm you know in you know the the best place I mean I was like you know went up to him and took him upstairs and we just said to him Tristan you know your baby brother's very poorly and we're not going to be having our baby brother as we thought we were going to anymore and before I went into this, I was like, I'd done my research on how to talk to children about these things. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting him, like, he has this sort of thing where he just is like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, that's like his usual attitude mm-hmm. to, like, serious stuff. He's like, yeah, right. okay, cool. And he didn't react like that at all. And he screamed. He, like, absolutely screamed completely. Like he'd had something in his hand, he threw it, he went and he grabbed the pillow and he screamed into the pillow. Oh. And it was the most heartbreaking thing to watch. Yeah. Um yeah, he just he completely broke down and then he turned around, he was like, This is daddy's fault. And then I felt awful for daddy as well, because he was like, I don't know what to say to him. And why did he say that? I don't know. I think it was just an initial reaction, you know, 
I was the one delivering this news, but he mm-hmm. was there as well. Mm-hmm. So it was like the two of us facing him with this, mm-hmm. um, this news. And he just really, he, I think, he, you know, they just need someone to blame sometimes. And that right. was the only thing that he could come out with. It was like the only thing mm-hmm. that he could think of at the time. And he was just absolutely heartbroken and it was, it was awful. Yeah. Um, but he gave me a hug and he hugged my tummy as well. And he gave me a kiss and he kissed, kissed the baby as, as he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually like, I think that was the right thing to do was to tell him. Yeah. Because so too. one minute I would have been like pregnant and then I would have come back not pregnant and he wouldn't have understood that. Right. He would have been like, where's the baby gone? Yeah. Um, and then it sort of kind of just meant that there was like this open opening for a conversation with him if he wanted to talk. That's great. It's so good that you did that. He knew then that like, okay, his baby brother wasn't going to be there. And I think that actually like prepared us for the next step. Right. So we, we went after that. So, you know, that was the point where like, even though we, you know, still went not having made a full decision that was the point where I was like just got to stick with this now mm-hmm. like, this is the right thing even though I'm trying to tell myself that you still don't know and it you could change your mind like this is the best thing for our family and for our baby for his future right um is to prevent him from suffering in the future like that's mm-hmm. what I was trying to tell myself the whole time um and I, yeah after that he stayed with Tristan stayed with his great grandparents that night um, mm-hmm. and we went off, went back home. And like, I remember like every evening that week, I just sat in the living room um, with the fire on like every night, like mm-hmm. hadn't moved, sat in the same spot. And that's all I remember really about being at home for like that whole period of time wow and that night went back thinking like this is the last night I'm gonna sit here Mm -hmm. with my baby moving like knowing that that wasn't gonna be there the next day yeah um we just kind of tried to make the most of the time that I had Mm -hmm. I guess um and yeah so the next day we 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 did the journey to London knowing that we were you know going in for this termination mm-hmm. um and we it was really weird because we actually like so before we went and this is this is another thing about like when I say that I think I was going a bit mad mm-hmm. I felt like I was going crazy like we went out for dinner with his parents in London before all of this happened mm-hmm. like like went for lunch um which now I look back I'm like oh my god that's so weird like why did I do that like how did you do how did you do that <laughs> yeah like what was going on in my head like I don't even know what I was thinking about or or Probably like, a like but self-protective thing where you kind of have to yeah. at some point keep your life the normalcy helps you yeah. distract from what's really going on it was like the only thing that like seemed it just seemed like the normal thing to do like be normal is kind yeah. of what I was trying to tell myself I think yeah um so we did that and then we went to the hospital 
And, you know, same thing. Like by this point, we knew where we were going. Yeah. Um, so we go in and then they take us to our little room again with our tissues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sat there for a really long time, like probably at least half an hour, maybe 45 minutes about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just waiting for someone. We're like, have they forgotten about us? Like, I know that this is like, feels like a really absurd thing to be doing, but you know, you need, like I said to my partner, I was like, you need to go and find them because this is, this is taking too long. And I'm, I'm doubting myself constantly and I want to change my mind. And I remember sitting there just in tears the whole time. Like, I don't want to do this. Mm. I don't want to go through with this. Can, can I change my mind? And he was like, Look, we've made, we've made this, we've made it like to here. Mm-hmm. You've got to remember like all of the things, all the things I've said before about reminding myself about, you know, the reasons I was doing this. But I remember just being there thinking like, I can't believe this is actually happening to me. Like, yeah. I don't want to be here. I just want to leave. I want to, I want to walk out. Yep. Um, and eventually they do come in and, and then they have to go through, you know, all the paperwork and, Oh God. And then they tell you everything that they have to do. Mm-hmm. And this is awful because they're, they're, you don't you, like I know that I'm about to have a procedure that's going to stop my baby's heart from beating like I know that mm-hmm. but you like having to sit there through someone describing this procedure to you in yeah. detail yeah um and then they said they're like so we you know we can numb the skin for you um but we have to tell you that we can't we we don't know we you know we can't stop any pain for the baby oh god and you're like oh my god oh my god like I'm like yeah you're just going to like I don't want to hurt my baby like I I don't want to like I I don't want to know that like and at this point you start thinking like I didn't even I'd never thought about if they could feel pain right never thought about that and and now they're throwing something else in that I am I'm now thinking about and I don't I don't want to think about this, but it's so true. Like, yeah, they, they can't prevent that. And <sighs> suddenly you've got another thing to worry about whilst you're in there. And, yep. and then they provide the paperwork and it's got like, I understand that there has to be a medical term for everything, but they call it feticide. And oh, I hate geez. that so much like it just made me feel like as if I didn't feel bad enough already I now feel like a criminal oh my god I feel awful like why use that word like someone please change that because that is horrible like and I I don't know if maybe I was picking out the things that were the worst I you know I don't know but yeah, so we signed this paperwork and, you know, you still sat there thinking, I can't believe I'm about to take my baby's life away. Um, but they, they sort of at the same time explain that, you know, you, you've now got to sit around. After this procedure, you have to wait two days before you can give birth to your child. Oh, my God. So we're about to go in. Like, and the, oh, my gosh. He was, it was like he knew like that something was about to happen because he was moving so much like kicking just it felt like he was doing somersaults just that's like you you know we're about to go in for this and you know 
the one point that he's moving loads and I just this is about to stop this is about to end and I'm making that decision um and he carried on like that up until they performed the procedure Mm -hmm. did they do the potassium in the heart is that what they did Yeah, yeah yeah um so and I mean that felt like it took forever and I literally had nightmares about this for for months after um I'm probably talking maybe like uh gone past his first anniversary so really like they kind of stopped mm-hmm. um maybe um probably about four months ago ish mm-hmm. so they went on for a good year um and okay so you you don't feel the pain of them them doing it to you mm-hmm. but i could feel the pressure when they did it to him mm-hmm. and like i would wake up for you know during these nightmares like constantly feeling this back pain mm-hmm. that I felt at the time when it happened mm-hmm. and it took me so long like I think like the nightmares stopped really after I told someone this for the first time mm-hmm. um, and because everyone knew that something had happened but no one really knew that it was a termination as such like there weren't many people that yeah I outwardly told that it was a termination because of that guilt um, yeah 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 and then the judging you don't want people yeah people don't get it if they don't hear everything that you just said no and And how you you then also don't want to go into that story people like you don't know who wants like people obviously no one wants to hear it right but there's people who are willing to listen to it yeah um but you just don't know before you speak to someone you just don't know who is and you can't be like oh yeah i want to talk about this right yeah it's so hard to like outwardly say it to somebody yeah um so that that procedure has like lived with me and it will it will continue to right yeah but it's sort of the pain of it has eased now um but it took them a really long time to do it as well and it felt like it was you know no no one else no one talks about that procedure and I think all I wanted was for someone else to tell me that they get it yeah and because I could never like finding that research like when I was looking for it like if I'd found someone that had said it it might have made a difference afterwards mm-hmm. but no one no one was talking about it well, think about why no one was talking about it but think about this you're doing this right now and you are going to help yeah. people by getting and, it out there and that's why we're doing this yeah And that was the one thing I wanted to do is I thought, you know, no one can prepare you for that. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that there's someone who will talk about it Mm -hmm. would make a difference to me. And surely, you know, 
it's an awful thing to have to go through and 100%. if it can just help someone like even if it's just one person totally and you will and you're going to help hundreds of and, people yeah or more and i, I was- really hope so yeah um, so can you tell me what so after the procedure you had to go home and then two days later they induced you yeah so um the weirdest thing was when we left the hospital um my whole body felt sunk if that makes sense mm-hmm. so like my stomach just like my whole tummy felt like my body was already preparing itself mm. which was really weird and bizarre and I was like I don't know if I'm imagining this or if my body is like really getting ready to like it just knows that he's gone now mm-hmm. um and yeah we went home and sat around for the two days and was told um you need to find your local hospital um first thing like eight o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. um and this was so by this point we're at the 14th of february so we're on valentine's day mm. which is so not a cool day um, right to be going through this um and then my my best friend's birthday was like two days after that as well so we're just like come on just want to get this open numbered now um we've been sat around for two days knowing that he's still there but not there um and we phone at eight o'clock in the morning on the day we were meant to go in and they were like we're really really busy we can't we haven't got the space for you right now but we'll ring you like we'll get back to you oh god as soon as we've got space and so I was like okay fine and at this point we're uh 23 weeks plus six mm-hmm. so we're almost at uh 24 weeks to the dot so I don't know what it's like for you guys with um the legal side of things but mm. so when you get to the 24 weeks that's the legal boundary for um registering the birth oh. so we are one day at this point before legally having to register the birth wait what does that mean exactly sorry so when you register the birth it's like official like they have the official document that that they existed i guess okay like and you wanted to that. do that yeah um because once they're past 24 weeks that's also you know for burials and um all of that stuff as well um, okay we were we were the day before and i hadn't really thought of it that much because because the actual termination had been you know the two days before i was like i don't know if they go by the termination date or if they yeah. go by the actual birthday and i actually didn't know the answer so i hadn't really expected to be thinking about that at all right just adding another complication into this shit storm of all the things you had to think about right yeah so we did we didn't really know which way it was going to go but the, the longer it went in the day the more I was a bit like okay this that we could roll over into the 24 week mark here which would mean you know we can we have so so much more and the 24 week mark as well is actually being legally entitled to your maternity leave Okay. So, so you're wanting to wait. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, I don't know if I understood that fully. Okay. Got it now. Yeah. So I'm, if, if it went to the next day, I could take my full paid maternity leave but gotcha. today, then no, like just whatever your work will allow really. Yep. Um, okay. So 
it gets it got to about um mid-afternoon when we actually went into the hospital um and when we went in and they were like there's actually someone else so the amazing thing is that in in this hospital that that we go to they have a specific room for stillbirths Mm -hmm. so it's away from the rest of the maternity ward Mm, that's um, good and you can spend as much time as you like but we get there and they said to us that there was somebody already in there so we couldn't use the room so we had to go into the main um labor ward um and the hospital we're at is is all separate rooms so that's like the one benefit across this like across the whole hospital so even afterwards you're you know you've got your own space mm-hmm. um and we, we were waiting for quite a while even once we were in there before they actually did induce me um and we'd been told all the options for pain relief before and they were like you you can have anything you want like whatever you want you can have it and I just felt when because I've done birthing classes as well like I really started early with them this time around because when I had when I had Tristan, I didn't do any and I really struggled. And I was like, this time I want to do it by myself. And I just want to mentally be as strong as I can be. Mm-hmm. And so I'd started them really early, which was the best decision I could have made because this time I felt I was going in, even though, yes, he was going to be a smaller baby, but you still have to do the labor the same Yep. Um, and give birth exactly the same as you would normally. Um, and I was like, I don't want any. I just want to do it by myself. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. And I just, I feel that's created all these memories for me as well. Like I remember everything and the labor didn't last long. Like once it kicked in, it took a few hours to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it did, it, you know, we were looking at the clock and it was, it was approaching midnight and so close to that 24 Mm-hmm. mark and like constantly thinking about it and I remember the labor kicking in just before like not long before midnight at all um and I did have a little bit of pain relief but like just enough to like ease it off for a bit longer and I felt I was like I feel like I'm trying to hold on to this like I really yeah just trying to hold on now um and we did we went through through that midnight part mark um and then once the labor really kicked in, it was only, you know, an hour, just less than. And he was born at just before four o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, Do you think too, and forgive me if I'm like just inserting my own thoughts, but maybe you didn't want to do the pain relief because he didn't get any when you were going through the yeah, termination? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was all a part of it. I was like, I, I'm living this experience like in a way that feels so real yeah I need it to carry on that way yeah and I just felt so much emotion that I just it was kind of my way of connecting with him yeah I get that I do that was what it was um but it was just you know when we delivered he was just you know seeing your baby just still and that they don't because obviously their focus is is you as the mother and mm-hmm. your health is their main focus. Mm-hmm. She just took him and wrapped him up and put him on the side for a minute. Like there's none of that handing them to you that you get when you have a baby. And yeah. just knowing that your baby's there, but just not moving. Yeah. Was 
awful. Um, and I was, you know, she when she did give him to me, we just laid in there um, between us, just on the bed. Um, and I just didn't want to move. Mm-hmm. It was like a moment that I felt just I wanted it to to carry on forever. Yeah. Did you um, hold him? Yeah, we spent a long time with him. Um, so they they offer this cold cot. So basically, um, it's it's a bit like I guess if you're not the one that's in it in that moment, it seems a little bit odd because it's basically like this box which is chilled but it's got like a lid that goes over it so it's like it's a bit like a mini coffin really is the only way to describe it mm-hmm. um but just it's just like really cold so that your baby can be in there um and you can spend as much time with them really as you want to try to um, preserve you know yeah, so there's no changes really. physically right yeah okay yeah um so he was quite you know he was obviously very small so his skin was quite red but the most bizarre thing is he was he just his facial features like he just looked like Tristan from when Tristan was born like the facial features were there and he was he was a quite like it's so weird to explain because he just looked like a normal baby there Mm. was absolutely physically looking at him there was nothing wrong at all um and we we kept him probably for about um a good maybe like 36 hours maybe yeah about that so oh, we, wow. we spent that night we had him at the four o'clock in the morning yeah um we kept him all the way through the night wow and then so that's before, so great that you got of, that time yeah it is and it's so nice because um this charity that I'm fundraising for, mm-hmm. um, this is where they really kick in for me and for my experience because mm-hmm. the hospital gave us this memory box mm-hmm. and in that memory box, it's got like a blanket and um, they have a hand fin- handprint and footprint kit. Mm-hmm. So they did his handprints for us and his footprint. And all of this is provided through this charity and into this box. And another charity came along and they took loads of photos for us. Uh-huh. Um, so they just were helping us to create as many memories as possible. That's so um, wonderful. And something we'd said actually, like, so by this point, I was in this phase where I was thinking to myself all the time, just go with your gut, like, whatever your gut tells you is what you need to go with. Mm -hmm. If you feel that something is right, then go with it. Mm -hmm. And we talked about other people meeting him and we'd said, you know, no, we're just going to keep it between us. Like it's going to be something for us. Mm -hmm. And um, when we got to the morning, I was like, I, I want my sister to be here. We umdenard over it for a little while because I was more like, yeah, I want someone to be here. He wasn't so sure. And I just said, I said, you invite who you want to invite and I'll invite who I want to invite. We won't have them here for long, but it just feels like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because we hadn't really prepared ourselves for that. Um, mm-hmm. 
we just said like, I, was, I don't really know how to ask. Like, do people want to come and see my baby? Like, right. You know, when you think of it, like it, it's like, do people want to come and see my dead baby is what is going through my head at this point. Mm-hmm. Is that actually something that people do? Cause I don't know, like no idea. Um, and I was fully preparing myself to have the no, it's fine. Um, actually it was the complete opposite. Um, so my sister did come and um, my mum came as well and um, father-in-law and sister-in-law, they came as well. Wow. Um, not all necessarily at the same time exactly, but um, they all cope with it in different ways, um, which I think for me it was that um, people realising that this is real. Mm-hmm. Because until you, you can talk about it, but then when people actually see your baby, right, he existed. Yeah. And he, he's there. Um, and I felt like I needed that. Right. For, to be able to express it with, with other people. Um, and my sister stayed for the rest of that day mm. that she was there. That's wonderful. And my partner didn't want to stay. He just felt like he needed to get out for a bit. So Mm -hmm. he went off. um, And it was just me and her. And she held Bear, which is what we named him. Right. Did you name him while he was still in utero or was it after he was born? It was after he was born. So it was a name not that we'd come up with, um, but it was one that was like passed around in family conversation. Mm -hmm. And we'd been like, no, that's a silly name. We don't want to use that. And actually, when he was born, he was our little baby bear. Oh, I love and that. That's what we went with. Um, mm-hmm. It just seemed right. It was yeah. the right name to go for. We were emailing a bit before this, and you had said that you and your partner are no longer together. Can you tell me as much, you know, as you want to about that? And you know, obviously, this event played a role in that happening. So can you, can you get into that a little bit? Cause I think it's important to show that when you go through something like this, you know, it can kind of tear you apart sometimes, or sometimes people get even stronger, you know, but it's important to show the real life stuff and, and what happened with you guys. Yes. Yeah, so I think a lot of this all comes down to that, um, the grief mm-hmm. and coping with the grief. And when we, I think during this whole, this two weeks of this madness happening, we were, it was like we were a, a really close team. We just, everything seems like, you know, we are strong enough to get through this. We are, we're coping, we're fine, you know, together, we, you know, we'll, we'll manage this. Um, but afterwards, once that grief process really started to kick in, um, I was really, I need to grieve straight away and mm. I need to, you know, go, go and see counselors that are being offered to us and get the support that I need. And he was the complete opposite. So straight away, this, um, this barrier was between us of, us always disagreeing on whether one of us was, you know, over the top with the grief or not grieving enough or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he felt that I was just not 
you know, he just wanted, I guess from his point of view, he was like, you need to just be yourself. You need to get out there. Um, and that's not how I felt. And yeah. I felt that I needed to grieve and I wasn't ready to just move on as such. And, and mm-hmm. not saying that he was, but I wanted to deal with that. I wanted to go to the counseling. And actually for me, after I went through all of the counseling that I went through, I felt so much more myself than I had done in, in a really, really long time mm-hmm. and talked things through that had been on my mind for since really since when I had Tristan, you know, being so young, having him, the, the stress that that had caused. Um, and I felt that I just was opened up to a whole new a whole new me really mm-hmm. um and he did the complete opposite where he shut himself off and didn't want to speak to anybody and we spent probably about a year of really struggling with his well I guess mental health as such really mm-hmm. um which is what I had thought of it as and you know tried to support him as much as possible but he just didn't didn't want that support and Mm -hmm. then yeah a few months ago I found out that he'd been having an affair the whole time so oh my god I think you know I mean you're never gonna fully know the answers and you know I accept that I'm never gonna know when it started but from Mm -hmm. what I can gather a lot of it started not long after we lost bear yeah um and i think his way of and i'm not excusing his behavior right because i think what he's done is you know completely unacceptable and his behavior was you know the way he was with me was just you know by shutting me out through that and right um you know it just got very complicated and i but I think that a lot of that comes down to not dealing with the grief properly and yeah. wanting to get into this whole nother life yep. of um, being around people who want to go out all the time and shut off the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and that was his way of not dealing with his grief. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I will never know whether, you know, he actually was struggling with it or not, or whether it was just because he was having an affair that all of that guilt from that was what was causing so many problems. I Mm -hmm. I will never know. So what state are you guys in right now? So we, I mean, we don't, yeah, we don't speak at all anymore. But you're raising Um, Tristan. He's his dad, obviously. So, yeah. So he's split. So Tristan's with me. Yeah. um, Most of... So we, we do it on sort of a two-week basis. And he mm-hmm. has him um, where he lives for five nights every mm-hmm. two weeks. Okay. Because, you know, you've we're, we've both got careers. We've both got that that we need to, to continue with in our lives. And as much as I, you know, would love to say, I would love to have Tristan all the time. You know, he's my life. Of course. Um, he is my rock. And I would love to have him all the time, but... I also need to build a career so that I can support him. Yeah. So I have to tell myself that, you know, him's, and I always, I have this serious mum girl all the time. Right. um, For working so much. Like I work pretty much full time. 
um, and rely on childminders. And yep. then he's with his dad now as well. And I spent, I spent so long, the whole time that I've had him, I've made my work work around him mm-hmm. so that I can spend as much time as possible with him. Um, and I feel like part of that has been taken away from me with this whole situation because he's now with his dad for some of that time that I would have had him. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in the process at the moment of rearranging my job a little bit just so that I can still spend as much time as possible with him. Right. But yeah. Other than that, we don't speak apart from him, apart from Tristan. That's right. the only thing, you know, I've, I've not seen him in probably nearly three months now like wow. not physically seen because he won't even drop him off yeah he gets his family to do it so okay. you know we don't have that contact at all the only the last time I spoke to him was Bear's gravestone's only recently been laid and that was the last time that we sort of spoke really did um, he go I guess he so. been? I don't really know I yeah. don't know what about Tristan um, has he been yeah Tristan has been and he so he kept asking for a really long time when's Bear's Stone going to be there when's Bear's Stone going to be there um because he talks about it a lot and like when I say he's been my rock like he was the one that has been there through everything for me Mm -hmm. if I get upset he will come over and he will give me a hug and he'll be like I miss Bear too mummy oh even if I'm not upset about that he just sweetie like two or two together but they say like all this stuff with children not um being so open there's some things that he did which were even though the situation was awful and horrible um trying to explain death to a child is really difficult Mm -hmm. and then we had this really beautiful burial but we already tried to explain death as going heaven. And then we were having a burial. So we were putting him in the ground and he was getting really confused. Like, but that's, you know, heaven, what? Really confused. Mm. He turned around to us once and he was like, so mummy, how do they get them to heaven? Do they take them in a van? (laughs) And it just (laughs) was the funniest thing that a child could say just I will never forget the way that he just said it we're at that point where a lot of our friends are having babies Mm -hmm. um or or trying for babies or you know we're at the school and there's lots of lots of new mums there and Mm -hmm. he'll just turn around and be like my brother's died thanks just just yeah, he just gets oh, out there straight away. Thank God but for kids bringing levity. To I know they do, but like I this. think that kind of with me being open about what's happened. Yeah, there's no, there's never really an awkward conversation. Yeah, and if there is a point where someone feels awkward, then I don't need to waste my time talking to them. Absolutely, <laughs> that's it's true. Not worth it. I would love to end this on the bike for bear note so that we can tell all the listeners to donate and look into this charity and this event that you're doing. So tell me about this and we will post all the stuff and all the information so people can follow up as well. Um, But tell me what you're doing. What is bike for bear? Bike for bear is I am cycling from Vietnam to Cambodia in September. Okay. How far is that? It's around 250 miles. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not really a cyclist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really not. And it's something that I'm having to really train. 
um a lot for Mm -hmm. it's a kind of the reason I chose this in particular was because I want to physically and mentally push myself as bizarre as this sounds to be back to a point where I feel like I can connect with my son again Mm -hmm. that emotion that I felt I just want to be at a point where not because I I don't really think about it all the time now. Um, but there's a point where sometimes you just want to feel that emotion again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to do something to remember him mm-hmm. and to to promote this charity, which is SANS, the Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Charity. Right. So this is the charity um, that was in that initial room, right? Yeah, this okay. is the one. So, so it, it kind of comes full circle. Back. Yeah. And you don't realize that I think for me, this having this support has just meant that I've been able to like, as we've just said from, from the beginning, something about this charity has been there to support me through everything, whether it be the training of the staff that have dealt with us, the memory boxes and Mm -hmm. having that created for us um all the way through to the bereavement support and meeting other bereaved parents Mm -hmm. it's been there the whole time and without that I think I would not be in the place that I am now Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't I feel like I just want to be able to provide something for for other parents that have been through or will unfortunately be in the circumstances where they they need to use this charity yeah um and you know it's my way of giving back I feel Mm -hmm. that you know other other parents and and families have been here and done what they have done to make sure that I have had the experience that I have had Mm -hmm. and I just want to keep that going and that's so great I'm yeah, it's. Well, I'm it's going to donate. Of, I'm telling you right now, and I want uh, everybody listening to check it out. And if they can, even a little bit, right? Five bucks, yeah, ten dollars, yeah. whatever. It all adds up, and it's yeah, just going to help. Every little bit makes such a difference. And yeah, it would just be amazing. I've set myself a target of ten thousand pounds to raise. Okay. And it would just be amazing to get to that point. Okay. Um, and yeah, to have that big fuck you at the end really just that I can do this and yes I'm gonna do this no matter how much people say to me oh that's a really big target are you sure you're gonna do that no I will do it and I feel like in my head I'm so determined yeah that there's no way that I can't do it yeah and I I, I know people not that people are doubting me I want I don't want to say that because it sounds you're like oh are you sure like we don't want you to be disappointed mm-hmm. I like have it in my head that I'm not going to be disappointed yeah like it's gonna happen no it's gonna going happen to we're gonna help happen. you and when is the rides in September right so we're I'll yeah, put this out September. before that for sure so people have time to donate and yeah, I like a big fuck you at the end. So let's yeah, that's, <laughs> end on that's that what we're aiming for. Hey again, guys. So I just want to say to Naomi, thank you so much. I know that was really difficult for you and you were nervous about it. And I think that you are going to make such a meaningful contribution to this conversation. 
and Tristan and Bear are so lucky to have you as their mama. So as we mentioned, Naomi is doing this amazing charity ride for Sands, and I would love it if you all would check out the charity site and the info, send a few bucks, even a few would make a big difference. I'll tell you the website right now, and then I'm going to post it on my social as well, but it is www.justgiving.com slash fundraising slash bike for bear. So like I said, I'll put that on my social and I just want to thank you guys for listening and Naomi, I can't wait for you to kick ass in this bike ride. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you next time.